Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we're going to be talking about seven sins that could send you to hell. Yeah, we're talking about the seven deadly sins. These are the sins that if you find yourself in hell, you're likely guilty of having committed. We're also going to talk about what the medieval uh, Catholic theologians would say would be the punishments for these sins and the seven virtues that are the spiritual remedy for these sins. So you better veer off that highway to hell and avoid these seven coming up the next exit on the Catholic Talk Show. Jump right in. This is uh, definitely an interesting topic. We uh, did a lot of research on it. Oh, for sure. I watched the movie Seven. I don't know if you know that movie, Sheila. No, but I'm. I'm. I think I'm pretty familiar with all of these Seven Sins, just in real world application. Oh, but it was striking in that movie with Brad yeah. Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Yeah, I that mean, was the. the is that the one where he's like, "What's in the box?" Yeah, yeah. what's in the box? What's in the exactly. box? Yeah. Yeah, but that was in 1995. You never saw it? I've been mean, parts of it. I mean, I oh, know the bro. box part, obviously. That was such a thriller, man. I remember that. Movie. Yeah, that was a great movie. Yeah. yeah. You should give it a shot. I think you'll be impressed. I'll put it on my uh yeah. I'll put it on my must-watch list at Blockbuster. But it's something that I mean, <laughs> I was I was young. I was I was definitely in my early teens and went to sleep with some of those images. I mean, it yeah. was it was a kind of a it wasn't a horror flick, but it was a thriller, left some lasting images of these seven deadly sins we're going to talk about today. Yeah, the seven deadly sins are, they're, very, they're a very ancient concept, and it's a way of constructing the, the vices and the perversions mm-hmm. of the human will, um, and it's a way of categorizing them so that the hope is that Christians know how to avoid them. Because yeah, this goes back to like the 6th century, right, with Pope uh, Gregory even, the Great? Even further, yeah. even even further than back, yeah. Um, and these sins really are that... It, these are the sins that if you are guilty of committing them, these are the sins that will send you to hell if you are unrepentant of them. And these are the kinds of things that lead people into a life that separates them from God and the beatific vision. Mm-hmm. Now, but I mean, some of these things like, you know, for example, gluttony or whatever, there's certain degrees of it, right? Mm-hmm. So you can't like, you know, you going to hell has to be like a willful Mm-hmm. Right, like it's some, a it's a willful of, conscious action that you're choosing this sin. Yes, knowledgeable of the fact that yeah. it is so deadly, it's harming you. And, and I think it's an important yeah. point that she made is the sense of the beatific vision that was so emphasized in the works of Saint Thomas Aquinas. It's really important to realize that Thomas Aquinas explains sin darkens the intellect, and when we think of how it darkens our world and our our foresight to be able to see the path that we're on to salvation, if we're cut off from light. We don't see the path. And if we want to have that vision, it's something that we need to strive for in virtue and the respective virtues to combat these seven deadly sins. You know, speaking of vision, you need to go on your URL and type in the Catholic talk show. Excuse me. Your URL. URL? Earl? Is it Earl. like Earl? Earl? You need to go talk you need to, to Earl. Go on your talk Earl. to okay. Earl. Talk to Earl. <laughs> yep. Go to CatholicTalkShow.com. Earl's going to take you there. Earl's going to take you there. <laughs> and he's a nice guy, let me tell you. I've known Earl for a long time. And Earl's like our, our, uh, our butler, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Very gentlemanly, you yeah. know. Like, 
Yeah, Earl. It's so go to the Earl, go to catholictalkshow.com, and Earl could also lead you to become one of our greatest patrons to support our show so that we continue to grow into new markets and reach new people with this material because we talk about some important things. And today, talking about the seven deadly sins, we want to make sure that we're reaching you wherever you may be, in your car, in the office space, on your headphones, or even in the comfort of your home. So thank you for journeying with us. Make sure you're connecting with us on social media and all of our platforms that you can see on catholictalkshow.com. All right, so you know, you said something, I think, that was um, a really good way to lead into this, uh, about how Aquinas said that sin darkens the intellect. And what, I think one of the things to understand about the seven deadly sins is that they are abuses or excesses of every person's natural faculties right. and passions, right? These are seven things that are really are perversions or um, misappropriation misappropriation of, like, a, of a human being's yeah. natural desires. Mm -hmm. So gluttony and lust and these types of things, they are the natural behaviors of human being taken to the wrong levels. Now, the seven deadly sins, now you brought up St. Gregory. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to get to him. And you are right that St. Gregory is the one who finally he codified, it, right? he codified yeah, the yeah, seven. But yeah. before that, they do go back to the desert fathers and to the ascetic fathers in the Egyptian desert. Mm -hmm. And there was a monk. Uh, his name was uh, Averigus Ponticus. And he was the one who first identified these eight evil thoughts that you had to overcome. Now, eight, not seven. So originally there was eight deadly sins or these thoughts that if you were living in solitude and asceticism, that if you weren't able to conquer these behavioral uh, tendencies and these sinful thoughts, uh, it wasn't going to go very well for you out in the desert. You're probably going to get eaten by like a desert lion or something or, <laughs> or go to hell, which is what happens, right? Um, so then his, his, one of his disciples, uh, John Cassian, he was the one who first really wrote these down. Mm. Now, he wrote it down saying that his uh, mentor uh, um, had had really put these together. But he was the first one to say, look, these are the eight things. That was in one of his books called The, the Institutes. And this is in like the, I want to say, fourth century in mm. Egypt. Now, so much wisdom came out of the desert. The yeah. Desert Fathers are one of the most underutilized yeah. resources. Right. It's true. I've, I've done uh, some desert spirituality during Lent, most times for the parishes that I've worked in and created like a retreat based on the desert mm. spirituality. And I have a few resources that I really, really, really like to use. One of them is actually entitled Desert Spirituality, and it goes through all of these different anecdotal insightful mm -hmm. realities of, of these men and women, these fathers and mothers of the desert that lived in austerity and complete penance detached from metropolitan yeah. cities. And what they encountered was a true and severe attack on the human person in relationship to the demonic activity in wow. the desert. And there was an insight even like, in, in metropolitan cities, we trip each other up in sin. Yeah. So, so demonic activities happening more so in relationship to people who are striving in that sense of removing oneself from the world. And, and that's where the attack happens. So they have a wealth of insight. If you've never looked at any of their materials, definitely take a look at them. And I'm really interested to find out these eight thoughts, especially as I think of St. Ignatius of Loyola and his directions in relationship to how that spiritual attack hits us. It's by way of thought initially. Yeah. yeah. So I, I look at it like, you know, a lot of people look at sin, like it's just a negative word, it's a negative word. It's like, 
you know, the church teaches this stuff not to to kind of control you, but yeah. so that you can actually approach God with more freedom. For sure. Right. And more joy mm-hmm. and, and experience him in an intimate way. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the interesting thing, too. Exactly what you said. God and the church, Holy Mother Church, wants us to express that pure freedom and that pure joy. Yeah. Right. But sin, you know, especially these seven deadly sins, you could look at them and think, well, I'm taking care of myself, pride. I'm placing mm-hmm. myself that, that I'm important. I want to make sure that I'm happy or, you know, lust, gluttony, envy, all these different things. It's self-operating, but it never provides that sense of freedom because yeah. our freedom is always in the object of love to the other and not to oneself. And these seven deadly sins really encapsulate how that converse reality, we have to combat and overcome that and focus on yeah, the that's other. what I'm looking forward to, you know learning about the yeah. virtues that combat it. Yeah, for you know? sure. So, uh, yeah, and I think that it really makes a lot of sense that this this list comes out of the desert mm-hmm. because, like you said, they were removed from that communal living, and these are the things that are really, a, that you have to personally overcome, mm-hmm. and they are, again, those excesses of the human desires, and when you're alone by yourself, that's the only thing, yourself and demons, those are the only things that are going to trip you mm-hmm. up. And these are the ways that demons would attack. I was just thinking of something. What were you thinking about? Tell us what you thinking about. I was thinking about something. Talk to us, Ryan. Like, there are converse, like, there's another side of the sin, right? So gluttony would be, like, anorexia, right? Or not eating or, like, a poor self-image of yourself. So there are, like, in these sins, there are sort of, like, you know, for pride, it would be, like, you're self-deprecating, right? Or... You know, so I, mm-hmm. I think there's something within that sin, pride. The, the that, inversion of that sin that still maybe has that sin at its root. At its root. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I don't saying. know. I don't so know. Not, I, I, not I, I, that I self-deprecating that. is a virtue, right? You're not you're not presenting that. Right. That, it could go to the opposite a lack end. Of self-love. Yes. Of, yeah. Yes. And it's still rooted in the same deadly it's, nature and right. mortal sin well, nature. Because it's your self-image, right? Sure. So like pride is your self-image. Yeah. Like how do I look in front of mm-hmm. other people? Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it is like I don't care. I don't even want to, you know, and you have this really bad, poor self-image of mm-hmm. yourself, which a lot of people mm-hmm. have, you know, I've seen I, it. I had a brother in the seminary that he constantly was like self-deprecating, always putting himself down. And he was a humorous guy. People would laugh, but I pulled him aside one day. I'm like, bro, like you got to stop doing that because when we had a deep conversation, he was just very unhappy. Yeah. And I said, you know, that just feeds your unhappiness. You know, yeah. you're a great brother. You have so many skills and talents, a great personality. Yeah. You don't have to please people by your self-deprecation. Yeah, you don't always have to be SpongeBob ripping your <laughs> pants. Somebody's watching cartoons with their son. Uh, yeah. SpongeBob, yeah, SpongeBob. Yeah. with my son. <laughs> SpongeBob's character. He was watching it this morning, drinking coffee and smoking a cigarette. So the first, <laughs> so that first list, when it was eight sins, mm-hmm. uh, before it got, you know, turned into seven, they were gluttony, fornication, avarice, pride, sadness, wrath, boasting, and acedia. Mm-hmm. So those were the eight. Uh, acedia, yes. which is like lazy, like sloth. Slow, oh, slow, yeah. yeah. So those are the ones that were, um, and it's interesting that they put avarice and pride mm -hmm. because they're very, very interchangeable. Right. Right. And Augustine went into depth on the sense of avarice as being the fall of humanity. Like it was Adam, his avarice, right? That yeah. that was the that was the movement. What's the difference between avarice that's, and pride? That's that's Is what we're going to lean into. Shield right now, who's going to give us that explanation? I suppose. Well, that was just a, a historical context. I think we're going to go through the ones that are 
But I, I do think no. a distinction between avarice and pride would be helpful because yeah. it's something that's always baffled me. Is just you know like there's a, there's just this fine line of what is pride and what is avarice. What do we got here? What do we got here, Ryan? So tell what us, we would you tell please? Us, man. We don't explain read, it to us. We don't Ryan. read the interwebs. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They seem pretty. They seem pretty similar to me. Yeah. But I think that is actually why Saint uh, Pope Gregory the Great kind of clarified. Consolidated. Them. He consolidated yeah. them. Yeah. So when he reduced the list to seven, we had that that original eight, right? And he combined vainglory into pride. Mm-hmm. Uh, acedia was combined with sadness, and then he added envy. So you got rid of you combined two of them. And then you had yeah. that extra one, envy. Now you have the 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 classically recognized seven, which are, and this is in the order. And when he Pope Gregory Pope, Pope Saint Gregory the Great say that five great times, Pope Saint Gregory the Great 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 was that four or five Pope Saint Gregory the Great it's pretty right. good. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a I'm gonna cut that part out and put a beat behind it. So in order, going from the worst to the least uh, damaging, they are as defined by Pope St. Gregory the Great, 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 Pope St. Gregory the Great. Great! Bam. Yes! I'm so proud you of you. You guys are losing it. Yeah, yeah. we are. Yeah. Well, what? a little French press. That's what that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, a little Guadalupe roastery. Guadalupe <laughs> roastery, stuff. man. Great. Good great coffee. Check them out. Cheers to you guys. Yes. Thanks for sending them in. Seriously. Donate the Thank you for yeah. stuff like that. Some of the prophets. So the seven deadly sins. Let's mm-hmm. get to those. Pride. Envy. Anger. Sloth, which is also acedia. Greed, which is avarice. Gluttony and lust. It's interesting that it's in that order. I didn't realize that. I thought they were they were listed for a particular reason, but that it's almost in it's the worst, the worst to the to the least. Yes. I suppose that's it, man. Wow. So they would. So it would be that pride is the worst yeah. of the seven deadly sins. Well, mm-hmm. because it has it has the unique nature of being able to spread over all the other ones too. And I think like a perception of pride, like when you think of pride, Delacrosse, what do you what do you think of initially? Um, like, how would you define it? Yeah, it's it's when you. You know, it's it's when your your frame of reference, right, as a person is is inherently like not inherently, but selfish, right? The lens is what what do I want for myself, and mm-hmm. and how do I look around other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially. And I think I think that's true. And I, we start there. And I think the worst offense of pride is not only am I operating just for myself. Now I have cut myself off from God because I'm no longer recognizing the quality of the gifts that he's given me. Right. And I don't reference the gifts that I have to him. They're mine. They're yeah. my gifts. And this is my body. I'm going to do with it whatever I want to. Yeah. This is my wealth. I'm going to do with it whatever I want to. Yeah. And it's it's going to revolve purely also, around me. But it's no longer recognizing God as the author and giver of all good right. gifts. It, it, is. It, it also, you know, like I was saying, the unique nature where you know, because you're sinning, like entitlement comes in. So mm-hmm. you're like, well, I'm this. And so I deserve to lust or I deserve to be a glutton or I deserve. And, and so it, it kind of like, it gives you license to do a lot of other things because it, it is kind of directed. You, your, your mind's directed completely to yourself. For sure. Right? Thomas Aquinas said that pride is the, the queen of all vices and that all the other sins, it takes preeminence over the other sins because 
he said that it is um, it's the frame of mind of a man that he has excessive love of his own existence and his own excellence. Excessive. It's excessive. And that by that, you withdraw yourself from the subjugation of being uh, a creation of God. And that's the first, that's the sin of Satan, his pride, mm-hmm. is that he would not, you know, non-servium. I'm not going yeah. to serve. I'm going to go after my own interests. And the first and fundamental way to find yourself in hell and to cut yourself off of the life of God is by refusing to submit to him and by refusing to uh, have your will be in complete unison with his own. And that is where pride immediately cuts down the spiritual life of a Christian. Right. And the most important thing you can do as a human being in relationship to God is confess your sins, go to confession mm-hmm. and, and receive God's mercy. Right. And so pride, even in your own sin, like pride tells you that God won't be able to heal this, mm-hmm. that God won't love me through this. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see a lot of people that are just, they don't feel like they can be forgiven and and it might not seem like pride, but it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm thinking about myself and in relation to God and not God in relation to me, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And again, you're putting yourself before God. You're putting your own power before God's omnipotent power of mercy. And you're doubting the fact that he has the power that is greater than yours that can absolve sins. And you think of what, what is the action of going to confession essentially, fundamentally, is humility. So, you know, to to counteract the sin of pride, humility becomes the focus of the man or woman who is seeking true holiness and true reconciliation, because now you're placing Jesus above your own sinfulness, above your own capacity and potentia. I mean, you'll see this in the prayers of Jesus himself, thy will be done, Mm -hmm. not my will, but your will be Mm -hmm. done. That is... That's humility. That is yeah. that is the king of humility right there. Mm-hmm. That he is in all, in all truth and in all aspects, God. But still, is in the relationship of the Trinity able to have the humility to pray and allow the Father's will to be done through His actions. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah, and talking about all this humility, I'm just realizing how humble I am. <laughs> Here's a humble pie for you, Dylan. You are the most. Like, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to brag, but I am pretty humble. I'm pretty humble. I'm pretty humble, guys. Look, I'm saying this in all humility, all right? I'm I'm humbler than you. We all know that. that. Well, um, so the next sin is envy. Mm -hmm. Now, envy is defined at the sadness of the of another person doing well because it you feel that it lessens your own life. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing that Inequity. a lot of, that's a weird thing that a lot of humans do. Yeah. Envy. Mm-hmm. And and the reason that I think it's the second worst is that it's um it's a longing and a, and a it's a, a sin against someone else that you are sad because they're doing well instead of love is truly wishing and willing the good of the other as other. And when you're envious of another person's blessings, that really strikes at the heart of love. And Mm -hmm. that's why envy is such a, a a mortal sin that will, it's going to, that's going to drop you right into the H E double hockey sticks. Because what it does essentially is it cuts you off from the welfare that you actually have. 
You're focusing on somebody else and you're not even inventorying the fact that God is providing for you, a benevolent God who provides each and every breath. So that even at the beginning of that, it's like, where am I with that? Do I just take it for granted? And, you know, is is someone else breathing better than I am? Yeah, probably because I'm asthmatic, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, but at the same time, you know, am I going to, am I going to look at somebody else's welfare and lose touch with my own? That's, that's terrible. And the church has ways to identify envy, you know, two different, you know, in respect to two different dynamics and envy, there's jealousy, there's envy. And it's essentially locking into either a material or a spiritual good of someone. And when we lock into a material good, obviously that has a certain gravitas to it. Yeah. But the worst that we can do is envy each other's spiritual good. Yeah. I'm super envious of how humble he is. I would be too. But in all humility, it's okay. You are looking green. You're looking green with envy. You know what I was thinking about when you say that it's, it's the, it's the presence of mind that it's, it's the, it's the, um, union with God, hypostatic union with God that we're created for. And this presence of mind. We are not created for the hypostatic union. Where's my heresy button? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the hypostatic union is okay. Whatever, man. The relationship union between the God. son and the father. We're mincing words here. We are, hey, no, we're not, <laughs> no, we are not mincing words. <laughs> if, if, not here at the Catholic Talk no, Show. No, not no. while Sheila's here. All right, I've not, been called not out while on my somebody, heresy. Not while somebody who holds Pope Benedict in such mm-hmm. high regard and his desire for precision in theology. It's very. It's very, still very, kicking in the studio. I'm not letting you get it's away. Razor, with it. right. razor precision. And look, no, we can have, a, but what I was saying Pope was Benedict's that, agree. I'm just going to point Pope Benedict at yeah, you right yeah, now he's while you're talking. at you like the German Rottweiler. Okay, <laughs> let me rephrase what I said. It's the presence of mind. You lose the presence of mind of, of being present in, before God, mm-hmm. right? Because now your mind is present somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that's the presence of your mind is the presence of your soul. You know, I mean, it's pretty close, right? You're, you're, what's going in through your, your mind eventually enters the heart, right? You know, I think when you look at... Um, the parable of the prodigal son, the son who never left. I think his sin is envy. Without He's, a doubt. He is yeah. so sad that his brother who was living a resolute life and I've, I've done everything well. There's pride. Exactly. Right? I was pride. I've always done everything right. Then the next sin that follows in order is envy. Why are you slaughtering for this jack wagon, a fattened calf and giving him rings? He doesn't mm-hmm. deserve that. Why are you but, blinging him out? Right. Yeah. Why, why are you, are you blinging him out? Look, my brother, he's been gone with, you know, hookers and drugs, and now you're making him all icy. This is not cool, Dad. <laughs> making him all icy. Got him a new gold grill. I mean, come on. But that's a, that's an interesting take on it because you can actually go through the seven deadly sins operative in the prodigal son as well as this, really? Yeah, the older that's the older cool. brother. Yep. Even in the person of the older brother. These seven they they accompany one another. So a lot of times they overlap yeah. mm-hmm. in respect to the sinfulness that we I'm going to read that, read that passage again with, with that, that in mind. mind. Yeah. The, yeah, the, like that. the prodigal son is such an interesting parable parable parable. Parable. <laughs> it it has so many layers. That's kind of a cute way to say it. Yeah. Parable. It sounds like a Disney princess. Yeah. You getting but, all cute? Yeah, yeah you getting cute on us <laughs> show? What are you doing? But if you if you think about it, <laughs> where you are in life, it, you can really say, who am I in this? Sometimes you're the prodigal son. Sometimes you're the son who didn't leave. And sometimes you're the father. And I think as you progress in your spiritual life and the closer you get towards uh, godliness, you kind of make your progression from first, you're the son out in the wilderness who's coming home and getting icy. Then you're the one who never left. 
And like, I've been a good Christian, but then you're still envious. Mm -hmm. And then you're the father, hopefully, who is then passing the wisdom that you've learned in your life down and sharing the gospel and the graces that um, you've received through your relationship with Christ. And then you're just giving them freely. And that really shows, number one, the relationship of the father with humanity, but also it shows the development of the human person as they grow closer towards Christ. Yeah. It also shows you what we, what we desire and it can, it can be an indication of what we're actually trying to, to go for. And, and in this particular case, it's inequity, you know, like I, I'm not getting what I'm deserving and this is the inequities there. Like we, we perceive inequity because we, we desire equity, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's why we, that's why we see inequity is because we desire in our heart equity. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more equitable than God, you know, loving you and you loving God back and being happy where mm-hmm. you're at and what you're doing and in the moment, you know, and the corrective action of his mercy that yeah. God's mercy corrects our nature you know, and he builds, he builds us by grace because grace builds on nature and we're emerging more deeply in that parable into the mercy of the father. And hopefully, you know, I look at the prodigal son as still manipulative. When he comes back, he has this bright idea while he's longing for the pods of the pigs that, oh, I got an idea. I'm going to prepare this text. I'm going to manipulate my father's affection for me. But the father doesn't care. And that's the beauty of it because the father interrupts the prepared text he doesn't let him he doesn't let him finish and he immediately wraps his arms around him kisses him embraces him before he even says one word and i think the transformative nature of what happened to the prodigal son was after he encountered the merciful father because now he's living more fully mm. in his mercy yeah. and that's the same thing for us you you think of saint paul who went through one of potentially the most epic transformations in the history of the church and in his letter to Timothy, he says, I am grateful to him who has strengthened me, Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to the ministry. But I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and arrogant, but I have been mercifully treated because I acted out of ignorance in my unbelief. Yeah. I mean, St. Paul's conversion, uh, I think really does speak to number one, humbleness, but also his envy of Christians and great he, point. You know, he had this this classical training. Uh, he would train under the best rabbis, like uh, at, at the temple. Uh, he's a Roman citizen, and then these other people have this joy, this uh, perfect joy that he, with all of his training, doesn't have. And I could only imagine the envy leads to that next violence, that next sin, mm-hmm. and that next sin on the seventh list is anger or wrath, mm-hmm. and. Anger and wrath are pretty, it's a pretty ugly thing. And I think that as you go down the list, the sins get less, less gravity, but more ugliness to me. They become more and more base. They become more and more spiritual realities and the depths of human consciousness and, and, and yeah. sin. And it's more psychological, a more surface level, yeah. right? More explicit, would you say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, and it's it's definitely more visible. Yes, without a I doubt. think I think of like you know like a guy in a game or something like a mm-hmm. football game, and then he's angry and he's and it's like you're at this point right now where you could just step down and just calm down, or you or you could just go crazy. Oh. Like oh, there he goes, you know, yeah, for sure. Not that. 
Football players are the only ones that do that. There's so, any football players out there. The Catholic Encyclopedia defines anger as the desire of vengeance. Yep. But we all know that the vengeance is the Lord's, right? Mm-hmm. That it is not for us to take vengeance. Now, but that's not to say that the the desire for um, justice is the same as anger, right? Um, or, or wrath. You people who are guilty of wrath, of the deadly sin of wrath and anger, are looking to become the judge, jury, and executioner mm-hmm. of graces and the gates of heaven. And it doesn't work that way. But desiring, blessed are those who desire. Don't uh, be smoting mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. No smoting. Well, there's 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 times where smoting can be ethical. Yes. So you're saying Corrective. I can smoke? It's like when I correct you all the time. That's true. Because yeah. I'm humble and I'm teaching you my ways. <laughs> <laughs> is so that, was that smoting? I, I, the way that the, the way good that, smoting. Did yeah, I just smoke? Yeah. yeah, you did. You smoked me well. <laughs> Put that in your pipe and smote it. <laughs> you had to. You had to. Uh, so anger or or the desire for um, or the, the zeal for um, equity. It becomes sinful when it is it, you seek to wreak vengeance on someone who does not deserve it, mm-hmm. or to a greater extent than has been than, than than they deserve. Where does this fall with people not forgiving other people? Because I because that, that that's a big problem oh, spiritually yeah. in people. You see when they're angry at somebody, it's it's just present, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't really know it. It's kind of like you're blinded by it mm-hmm. a little bit. But a lot of people just they just don't forgive people in their lives. And I wonder where that. And, and I think it, it's people are crippled by wrath, by anger, because they essentially cut off the person that has caused them this anger or potentially unjustly attributing it. But in that sense, it's, you know, I have no patience with you anymore. I, you, right. I, I have no investment of patience and hope that your humanity can change. So you are now my enemy. Yeah. And now... My anger is fixed on you. Forgive yeah. me, Father, for I felt anger at you this morning because it took you forever Ever to get ready. Get dressed, dude. Oh, God. Dude. man. It's a process, I know what a teenage man. woman, girl's going to be it's like a- now. I'm getting ready for Ava. <laughs> yeah, that's what's going on. You saying no. I'm a diva? Yeah, somewhat. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit. Hey, no, but bit. what you were saying earlier about living in mercy, like living in mercy, like mercy that you show to somebody and their reception of that or understanding of it they're living in it mm-hmm. right and there's no there's no barrier there between you know harmony and, and mm-hmm. relationship with your neighbor right mm-hmm. well if we're striving toward justice and equity which is a virtuous thing and it's something that we should be committed to as catholics but just as human beings generally speaking we should be moving in the direction toward equity and living well among our brothers and sisters but i do think it's a cutoff from in respect to i want this justice now yeah. Right now. And I am not willing to be patient and wait for and, awa- and await yes. the justice because in the in the wisdom literature of the Bible, it says very, very clearly that God is the executor of justice, not us. Mm-hmm. God is. And God will, because he is a just God, execute exact justice. But that requires us ultimately to, to be patient with God's plan for our life and the injustices that we are experiencing today mm-hmm. or may face in the future. Mm-hmm. Now, next sin is acedia or sloth. And that... It Couches means, and potato chips. I was just thinking, if I take a nap, that's not sloth. 
Only if I'm taking a Bro, nap. Bro, you're taking three-hour naps multiple times in the day. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, Maybe an hour. You are a, a <laughs> napper of much renown and skill. I'm I'm a professional. <laughs> you're very good at you it. You should write a book. I, I think that your napping no longer really is the sin of sloth or a CD. I think it's really now pride. It's pride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's reached that point. Yeah. And, and I'm guilty again of envy of how well you nap because I don't sleep at all, man. I sleep terribly. <laughs> but that's not sloth, right? Sloth no, so isn't it, like it, it, it can be. So yeah. it's the disinclination to labor or exertion. Um, now, obviously, you know, we are meant to work the land and produce by the the works of our own hands, the goods that we sustain ourselves with through the grace of God. Okay. Some people are better workers than others, but I think where it really gets into a dangerous and very uh, hell worthy sin is when you don't have the, the, you, Acedia would be defined by some of the church fathers as sadness in the face of a spiritual good that you have to work to achieve. Mm. Ooh. Right, wow. that you have to work, you have to perfect yourself and your spirituality. You have to yeah. make sure that you make time to pray. You have to make sure that you are getting to mass. You have to make sure that you are doing uh, works of mercy. And you know that if you do these things, you can achieve a greater perfection of the Christian life. But because they're hard, you don't do them. That is acedia. That is where mm. sloth becomes a massive it's a problem. Spiritual sloth. It sounds like not. Mm. Well, it, it can be physical and spiritual. Yeah. Well, there's but obviously. I think yeah. the spiritual definitely leads to a more degradation of the soul and a in a darker stain um, uh, on on a person yeah. when that acedia becomes a spiritual reality. How easy is it for you not to work towards somebody's spiritual good or material good if you are angry with them? Yeah. It's yeah. easy to dismiss. Yeah, that person. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the beginning of it. That's the beginning of the reality of of sloth. Mm -hmm. But even worse, when it gets to that spiritual point. So that could be that sense of material sloth. I don't want to work out of the dignity of human labor for the welfare of another person that I don't trust. That hurts me. That's yeah. disinterested in me. It's that, like checking out. Yeah. I'm, so I'm going to check out. out. But then the worst part about it is before God. You know, just the labor of love, even the sense of love of self. Yeah. That my own dignity, the, the dignity and worth of my humanity is the fact that I can work, that I can perform actions in the world. And rendering myself inactive, I, I, in that place of just complete depression and, and despondency, I cut myself off completely and I'm just, I'm like a slug. Yeah, you know, you're not like a slug. I am. Wait, are you? I'm feeling uh, like I'm sluggish. Are you, are you I'm gonna really get him. Are you taking a confession right now? I am, guys. Uh, <laughs> I confess. You're so lazy, man. You need to stop with that. I, I think a real practical example of where acedia can come in is the kind of pattern of people who maybe they've committed a sin and they know that they can't receive communion, so they don't go to mass. <gasps> but then they also they're busy on Saturday, so they don't go to confession. And it becomes this compounding effect where the more and more you allow it to happen, the harder the hill becomes to climb. Yes. And yeah. the more you're like, it's a great perspective. If you've ever like gone into your garage or, you know, you have to pick up and you're like, dude, there's so much stuff here. I don't know where to start. Yeah. I'm taking a nap. Forget it. Mm -hmm. I had you know? a roommate like that. He wouldn't, he'd stare at the dishes if it was all crazy. And it's just too much. It becomes and you, overwhelming and yeah. you just shut down. Mm -hmm. And there's that, there's that tendency of people to, to, build a deeper and deeper hole for themselves. Yeah. And they look up and they're like, 
dude, I couldn't climb out of this two steps ago. I'm certainly not doing it now. I'm yeah. just going to lie down here and die. And it that's like calcifies. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. a, just a harden. Mm-hmm. That's a great perspective. That really is insightful. You know, and, so and get you up, th- up with, your butts, and man. And go to confession because don't be spiritually lazy. It's so true how it's many people avoid going to mass after some sin. Yeah. You know, even if uh, even if it's as simple as, hey, I'm going on a cruise and I missed Sunday mass this past Sunday mass, they don't come back right away. Oh. Or or another another type of sin in, in relationship to fighting with their spouse or fighting with their children and having a, a house in disarray. They they don't have the energy to get up and go to church and church in the sense of liturgy that we have a responsibility in the liturgia to work, you know, to work in the direction toward our neighbor and to God. They're, they are one and the same. You know, our relationship with holiness is not seen in St. Catherine of Siena's eyes in some lofty prayer of great eloquence. It's rather seen in the love of neighbor. And so there's, there's work to be done in church in relationship to your neighbor that I think people miss, yeah. miss out on. Mm-hmm. I like that perspective. That's actually pretty interesting. I've never thought of it that way. You can, Thank you. You can take that and use that yeah, in your can, ministry. Really? Should I, yeah, is it copyrighted or? No. Uh, yeah. I don't even have to give you recognition? No. How humble of you. Yeah. Just you're, you're getting closer to just the humility yeah. of Ryan Delacross right now. Just tag me. <laughs> so, just tag me. I have that effect on so the, all humility. You do, man. <laughs> The next deadly sin that will send you to hell. <laughs> send me to hell? Yes. You You're looking hell. at me. Yes. We're talking to you. <laughs> Richard. Yes. The sin that can send you to hell. Mm-hmm. I'm listening. Is avarice. Oh, yes. Avarice. Greed. Greed. That's what I meant. Greed. Mm. That's what I meant. <laughs> it's Latin. That's pride. Greed. Yeah, that's what yes, I meant. That's what it's I meant. a Greek word. Don't worry about it. No, no. it's not. It's Latin. It comes from, <laughs> it comes from the Latin word uh, avarice, which means to crave. Okay, there you go. So it's interesting, crave and greed. Yeah, Yeah, well, it is. It's so avarice. Crave rhymes with the grave. Yeah. So if you got this in your life, ooh, is that your street ministry coming up, man? (laughs) Saint Paul Street Ministries, man. Yeah, that's right, dude. He's like, if you ever watch The Office, when you have Party Mike, where he puts on, (laughs) (laughs) he puts on a backwards hat and sunglasses. He's like, I'm Street Ministry Rich. So, no, avarice is the inordinate love of money and riches mm-hmm. and spiritual things. And yeah. it's um, the thing that really makes it detrimental to a person is that it makes getting things and holding things the purpose of life. Things become the the end goal of your actions. And it's such a, to me, avarice and greed are idolatry. They were, they're mammon. That is, you yeah. start to worship, you know, when you look at the pagan religions and they've got the statues and they worship this thing, it's holding and owning and having possession of. I think you see that in the pagan religions. I think you see that in the the, the brass bull, um, the, the golden statues of all the, you know, the Old Testament. That is, greed is a really strange thing. And... Definitely something to send you to hell, but I think it's the way that it manifests itself in people's lives today is a lot different than it did maybe uh, at the time of St. Gregory. Um, today, greed can be um, I don't know, avarice and greed today, I mean, all you have to do is turn on Instagram and just the love of things and the well, recognition, yeah. the pride of owning things. I think 
in today's world, avarice and greed are merging with pride into like a super antibiotic resistant super sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They always work together though. I mean, they, you can't have straight up greed without having sure pride. You can. No, you can. It's impossible. No, there's people. Humble people that just steal for the... Well, no, I mean, there's people who just, I mean, like, gold rush madness. You just, wow, I want, I need this. Mm. They don't care about this. I mean, you'll have people who are like, you know, this is a very far example, but like hoarders. Yeah. They're not not proud. They're not envious of other people. They are addicted. They're subjugated to to that, yeah, to that addiction. Material addiction. Wow. I think it's important to mention that addiction and real inability to avoid sin does reduce the culpability mm-hmm. even of the seven deadly sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Addiction mm-hmm. is one of the things that um, minimizes the impact on the soul because you don't have the free will yeah. to, to actively participate mm-hmm. in that sin. You're doing it uh, compulsively. You're not consciously choosing the action of sin. It is compulsory. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a habit formed into an addiction but that, wouldn't you say the same thing about like greed though? I mean, wouldn't, absolutely. wouldn't that, I mean, all this stuff is habit forming, See, you know, and it all like brings us to the point where we don't, we reduce our will. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and that's when they they start to get more and more base and you get lower on this list. Yeah. They become these physical, um, pulling slots in mm-hmm. Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, um, you did look like a zombie last time you were in Vegas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and I think, I think looking at these deadly sins in the respective virtues gives us, gives us ideas that fully color out these various deadly sins. Yeah. So in the sense of charity or being generous in relationship to what greed is, yeah. you know, even, even when we do find ourselves in the compulsory relationships with our own sinfulness, and, and we find ourselves forming these habits and we're trying to figure out morally, where am I in relationship to, if I die right now, do I, do I go to hell because of these operative sins in my life? Well, it, it's hard to figure out that scale because in the measures of justice, God is the one who executes judgment and he knows the depths of the human heart. But for us, what we should be busy about doing is the virtues. So really entering into a form of charity in yeah. relationship to combating greed yeah. is, is the most important and, thing you can do. And people, uh, they call it, I think it's seen somewhere as virtue signaling. So there's mm-hmm. the abuse of virtue, right? For personal gain. Well, there's, then that, yeah, that becomes pride. That becomes, I, yeah, well, I think a lot of people, anger. I think a lot of people because of their awareness or desire to not be aware of, they, they move into some virtue area and, and it's not authentic virtue. It's sure. You know, it's kind of running away from it, mm-hmm. you know. That's a good point. All right, so let's get through the last two sins. Mm-hmm. Get your uh, virtues right. Get your virtues on. <laughs> so there's, and I think we might have been guilty of this last night because we went to an amazing dinner last it night. It was awesome. Yeah, it was delicious. Yes. It got a bit gluttonous. Mm-hmm. It really did. It did. Well, I mean, we didn't eat a ton, but it was delicious. It was yeah. really good. Yeah. It could have gotten there. I mean, yeah. another 20 minutes there could have turned into some serious <laughs> yeah. gluttony. Yeah, I'm but glad we left when, it, when we did the witching hour. We yeah. didn't See, I think the pivotal shit. moment was when the, the, <laughs> the waiter came over and said, do you guys want to order more food? And we sat there and we thought, no. No. <laughs> Booze. That was a, p- p- yeah. that was a pivotal moment. Well, I think our gluttony just shifted from a solid to a liquid form. <laughs> because that, that was okay. Yeah, because, yeah. Well, because it's a port after dinner. Yeah. It's a digestivo. Right. It's but, you know, gluttony is 
you know, again, this is the this is sixth on the list of seven, and gluttony is probably the one because I think, like you said, that they they go from very high minded or theological spiritual then more the and sensorial to yeah a uh, carnal a physical mm-hmm. yeah. type sin, and especially when these lists were written and conceived of, the poor who didn't have food to eat, um, gluttony would be such a desirable thing like. How could it be bad to have more than enough to eat? Now, in our world, we have so much food. Um, we throw away a lot. We throw mm-hmm. away a lot. And that's a terrible thing that how we don't yeah. um, use it to help Food scarcity, I mean, there's, I mean, I know there's practical issues, and but the amount of hungry people in this world, it shouldn't be that many. We're always going to have hungry people, and there's no, yeah. we're not going to have heaven on earth. It's not supposed to be that, and... Um, you're always going to have the poor. That's what Jesus you're said. Always going to have the poor. There's always going to be hungry people, and and that should not lead you into a place of apathy. Yeah, but right. liberation theology yeah, or discouragement. It, it's mm-hmm. not. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the poor, but not having the, I guess the acedia to know them and at least try to do something. Like uh, Mother Saint Mother Teresa said, look, if you can't feed a hundred people, feed one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in our society, that there's um, such a uh, a gluttonous approach. And I don't think it even necessarily is with food in our society. It, I mean, we can have a gluttony for attention. We can have a gluttony for very true uh, d- electronic devices. We can have a gluttony for a lot of yeah. things that fill our more animalistic nature. Distraction. Yeah. Yeah. A lust for distraction. All right. And now the last one, um, the last of the seven deadly lust. sins that will send you to hell is lust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is, again, that is our most basic and carnal desire is, and that was the first commandment, go out, be fruitful, multiply. And lust is, I mean. It's a deviation from mm -hmm. the unity that. Look around in the world today. Lust is a problem. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah, you, you can't turn on your phone or the TV or Netflix. driving down the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the sexual abuse scandal, I don't know if that's. If there's a, a seed of that in lust, or if it's just such a brokenness that comes from a society that celebrates lust, that it creates a a deep um, spiritual and psychological imbalance that's causing these types of things. But I do think from the sexual revolution until now, I mean, there's just such a sexual deviation. And, you know, sex is the epitome of what we can experience in in uh, our human life. And that's what, that's where the lie is because it's the most basic, it's thing. the most basic thing, and but it's held up to be as the highest, the highest good. good. And the greatest good is sexual expression and sexual encounter. Well, we know deep down in our hearts that there are greater encounters with greater goods than just our sexuality. Yeah. And a lot of times, even in the confessional, people will bring different things. Well, father, I, I'm just, I, I, I thought about this girl and she's really pretty and, you know, I probably lusted and blah, 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 blah. It's not necessarily the case because thank God that the Lord made us in a way to see the other that's different, find it beautiful and desire to be with, you know, and to know in depth the beauty of the other. So thank God for that. If we didn't have that, we would not be having children. We would not be coming together in that respect. So, you know, there is a fine line between lust 
and love. Yeah. Lust and encountering beauty. So encountering beauty, directing it upwardly, and this is what I try to encourage others to do as well as myself. When I see someone that is attractive, I try to lift up my mind and my eyes to God, who's the author of that beauty. And it, the problem where lust steps in is when we devoid the humanity and the personhood mm. and the dignity of the other. And now it's not beauty. It's something that I want to take possession right. of because <clears throat> it's something that I want. And I want to fill my flesh and touch with my flesh this reality to make myself feel good. Yeah. And it's just it, it gr grotesquely, you know, put out there in pornography. It's just mm -hmm. uh, what it's done to a lot of young people and I mean, it just harms Families them so and, bad. And marriages, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, if that doesn't show you that, that lust is, is, uh, is a sin, right. Mm -hmm. Is just look at the, the, the wake of all that. Mm -hmm. I think right? that's a good point to bring up that one of our sponsors covenant eyes. Yeah. They are a excellent resource for men or women looking to beat an addiction or a, uh, the use of pornography. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty big, like it's a wide platform. Like it's, it's not just like buying technology either. No. It's also, you know, having someone to be accountable to, mm -hmm. which is so important because you get that little dark mm -hmm. secret. You just want to keep. And yeah. isn't it prideful that... to think that I could do this yeah. by myself? Yeah. I think I could yeah. overcome this sin by myself. Yeah. Covenant eyes combats that yeah. and gives you a community of brothers to help you overcome yeah. the sins of the flesh that all of us face. Yeah, yeah. I think what really makes it unique is that accountability so that mm -hmm. if I'm struggling, I trust another person yeah. and I say, Hey, look, this is I'm struggling. You're gonna, you're gonna get a report of all the things I do on my phone or whatever, yeah. and it's kind of like, well, you're you're being forced to face the things that you think you're getting away with. But everything that happens in the darkness comes to the light with God. But this is a way to experience that accountability to another person to help overcome that. Now, for our listeners, Covenant Eyes given us a special promo code, so you get 30 days free. So go to CovenantEyes.com and use the promo code Catholic Talk. And you can get a 30-day free trial of it to That's see if it's something that can help you overcome any sort of uh, addiction or issues that you have with pornography or lust or misuse of your phone. Whether you're a man yeah. or a woman mm -hmm. or if you're trying to help children or friends, yeah. uh, go check it out. CovenantEyes.com yeah. and use the promo code Catholic Talk. And many thanksgiving goes to God for inspiring these this group of people that yeah. put Covenant Eyes together. I mean, it's a great ministry. It's great. Yeah. Now, so we talked about the seven deadly sins. Now, there is a... You know, you know Dante, right? And mm -hmm. you know the Divine Comedy. Mm -hmm. In there, he kind of categorizes the punishment for each of these seven sins, which is a pretty interesting thing to look at. So if you do, because they're correlated, if I remember yeah. correctly, they're, yes, yeah, they're they're kind of um, a and a justice uh, for these. So and, and it's really spelled out. And one of my favorite books <laughs> is D the Great Divorce by C.S. Yes. Lewis. It's just amazing. It's an excellent book. I'm just book. like, I'm just referencing the book as we're talking with yeah. certain people that are characterized in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So according to Dante, these, if you do find yourself in hell from one of these seven sins, God forbid, we'll pray for you and, you know, go to church and don't do these things. Don't go to hell, dude. It's not going to be cool. Trust no, me. Not fun. <laughs> I hear it's, it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we did the episode on what hell is like. I just put a link up there, I think. Maybe. I could try to figure it out. <laughs> right up here. Uh, Ding. <laughs> but we did an episode on hell, and uh, St. Catherine of Siena's vision of hell, mm -hmm. oh, we were talking about that last yeah. night, claustrophobic, oh, hot, yeah. humid, Oof. stuck in a space, never mm -hmm. able to move. Oh, 
terrible. Oh, you don't yeah. want it's that. like the studio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty warm. Yeah. Well, with more help from our patrons, we can get a larger <laughs> studio with air conditioning. Oh, please. Yeah. You're, we're doing up a little bit in here. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what are these what are these uh justices? The punishment for pride is being broken on the wheel. And the wheel was like a, a medieval torture, torture device where it spins you and stretches you. St. Catherine of Alexandria, you know, she was, that was snap. the martyrdom and then uh-huh. it, she broke the wheel by the power of God mm-hmm. when when mm-hmm. the attempted martyrdom. That's why she's the patron saint of mechanics because mm-hmm. the wheel is a mechanical wheel, device. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So being broken on the wheel, that is you're being broken. It's countering your pride that you cannot be, that you are above everything. Uh, envy, you're encased in freezing water. I don't know exactly how that applies. Applies. Avarice, Duh. you're being boiled in oil. Wrath, you are torn apart limb by limb. Lust, you're roasted by fire and brimstone. Mm. Gluttony, you're forced to eat rats, snakes, spiders, and toads. Ugh. Nasty. Not good. Sloth. I hear toad is very good in this time of year. Frog legs. Rabbit. Pickled frog Rabbit. legs. Actually, I've, I've eaten snake. It's pretty good. Rabbit. I've had snake too. Snake's good. Yeah. Uh, alligator tail. Is alligator f- tail in there? No, I don't want to eat it forever. <laughs> so, you know. And then the last one, sloth, uh, you're thrown into snake pits. Mm. Yeah. And None if, of those yeah. are good. No. 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 And if you definitely you're don't want to go there, that's for sure. If no. you're struggling with something, like what's the best way to, to get rid of it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ says to fast. Mm-hmm. Right, fasting gets rid of a lot of this. It does absolutely. And that's why I love Exodus ninety, how it's become this real like movement. Yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just it's amazing. Like you look at it, and you're like, it's just so hard to try. Mm-hmm. But you talk to people who are done with it, and they're just like, I am so free right now. Mm-hmm. And they say, like three weeks in, you feel the shift. And I always typically observe a type of Phillips fast going into Advent and mm-hmm. What's norm- that? a warm up. It, it's it's a warm. It's like a time of penitence and okay. and a time of sacrifice. Similar to Lent. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really addressing the spiritualities of wanting to start over a new year yeah. because Advent, the season of Advent, is the beginning of the new liturgical year. So I always uphold the months preceding it, October, November, as those times of, right. of great discipline, you know, quitting drinking, you know, yeah. cutting carbs, cutting pleasure foods, comfort foods, yeah. and and really, you and know, disciplining the senses. Though, they got cold showers. Yeah. That's where you got to start. Yeah. And I hear that that's the hardest part so tell, for a number of people. Because so they're a sponsor of ours, and, and they're just an amazing organization that's growing rapidly. It's it's truly awesome. Yeah, earlier in the show, we talked about that, uh, the Desert Fathers, and how, how much knowledge and wisdom... Exodus 90 really seeks to provide an, uh, I guess, I guess an exodus for modern men into that desert to get away from the pressures and the things that are crippling men's spirituality in today's world. And yeah. it's, they're calling for an exodus away from the things that are, are crushing us and yeah. into the desert. So one of the practices that they do is asceticism. Yeah. So it's a modern asceticism. So you're avoiding sugars and alcohol and TV, you're only using your phone for business for work. You know, you're not making unnecessary purchases. You're taking cold showers and you're purifying your senses and your carnal desires through this system of self-mastery and modern asceticism. Yeah. And realizing and, how much time you have on your hands that is so wasteful, driven, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and driven in sloth, potentially in laziness. Now you have all this time to pray the rosary, yeah. to read a book. Yeah, it's a you know, detachment from a lot of things that just occupy yeah. your life. Yeah. And, yeah, and the Desert Fathers knew that, and this really is draws on the wisdom of the Desert Fathers. Yeah. I think they actually, Exodus 90, 
has a awesome book that they give right. away for free with the um, uh, sayings of the Desert Fathers, right? And it's it has also like, done with accountability, too. It right? is. Like the covenant, I think. Accountability is really important. Mm-hmm. but uh, So I'll put a link for the sayings of the Desert Fathers from Exodus 90. Um, I think that'd be a really good thing for people to read in relationship to these seven deadly sins, especially considering they're, they they originated in that desert. Mm-hmm. So I'll put that link out for everyone to download it. Yeah. Exodus 90. Thanks. All right. So, though, you know, we went through all the seven deadly sins now. And we talked about the virtues that counter these seven deadly sins. So let's go over those. So if you don't want to find yourself going to hell. Employ these virtues. These are the things that you need to do. Now, these are, yes. not, the, these are not the cardinal virtues or the theological virtues. That is a separate list, mm-hmm. right? These are the virtues that are specifically meant to be antidotes to the seven deadly sins. So for lust, the antidote is chastity. Mm-hmm. For gluttony, the antidote is temperance. For greed, it's charity. For sloth, it's diligence. For wrath, it's patience. For envy, it's kindness. And for pride, it's humility. So those are the seven virtues that cure a person of the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. I like the Latin for diligence in relationship to sloth or asadia, and it's industria. So when you think of industrial and, and industrial development, so what are we, what do we have industry for? You know, you're, get you're a done. business. Yeah, you're a businessman. Business. Why is there industry? To take big rocks, turn them into <laughs> little small rocks. <laughs> People need gravel. And yeah. and we're we're building especially Colombians. <laughs> we're building for the sake of civilization and and creating a sanctuary for people to come together. Mm-hmm. It's it's working for the sake of the other, for welfare. Now now that list is not to confuse with the uh, the seven holy virtues, and that's uh, the three spiritual, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and hope charity. And, return, yeah. and then the cardinal virtues are prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice. Now, they're very similar, mm-hmm. but I think these other ones are very directly aimed at those. So I'll make sure that I put this in the show notes uh, mm-hmm. on catholictalkshow.com. If you click on this episode's page, scroll down below the video, you'll see all these notes. You'll see the link to Exodus 90 to get that. Uh, that ebook on the Desert Fathers, you can get a link to Covenant Eyes, so you can go in and use promo code Catholic Talk to get 30 days free. And I'll make sure that I put uh, all the seven deadly sins and the Exodus 90 link too. Well, I already said okay. that, and then I'll also put the the um, virtues that counter them. Mm. Now sounds good. Before we go, you know what? Now one of my things that I really um, enjoy out of the, out of the seven deadly sins, yes. Is, so this is turning into a confession. Should I go grab my stole? No. <laughs> I got a confession to make, too. I don't know where it falls in the seven days. I got another confession to make. I don't know if it's... Uh, <laughs> I think maybe it could be the ninth deadly sin, and it's uh, schadenfreude. And that's the joy of seeing someone else fail. <laughs> schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, something like that. Schadenfreude. schadenfreude. Well, out of charity, I hope that I don't provide that experience no, to you see, and I lead enjoy, you down that highway to hell. I enjoy the Inquisition. Ding, ding, ding. I and don't. I enjoy I'm seeing glad you, you fail. enjoy it. Oh, it's great. Just enjoy watching me squirm. I do. It's hilarious. Well, bring it on there, brother. All right. Actually, you know, I don't think we're going to try to do anything too tricky or too convoluted or some crazy scenario that I dreamed up because <laughs> it's, it's early in the morning and <laughs> honestly, I didn't think of anything good. But um, 
how can people, I think, you know, from a pastoral sense, how can people identify these seven deadly sins in the, in themselves? And how do they get away from the fact that, um, number one, there's, there's that addiction to it. So they don't have the culpability of it, but then how do you move beyond the idea that, well, I'm addicted to sin. How does a sin become no longer a venial sin and turn into a mortal sin? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Well, you're kind of, you're, you're I don't shotgun you're blasting like all of these different things. Shot. And, I just yeah, did, it's a Dick Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I can't, I can't I guess what's, dance okay. around. I'll, yeah, I'll, make, I'll simplify the question. At what point does addiction to sin reduce the culpability of a person in that action? It's different for everybody. It, it has to be different mm-hmm. for everybody. So if I were addressing a situation pastorally, I would go, I would sit down with whomever is is struggling with whatever particular sin, and we start with thought. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, I I truly believe in the the sense of behaviorist therapists that that you know kind of cultivate behavior that is it would lead someone to a greater place of health. So looking at the thought patterns that one is assailed by that say is lust and, and, you know, or the expression of the sin too, like and, how and that's far where it eventually goes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. how far are you along mm-hmm. the road? Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to where is it mortal, it has to be in the conscious deliberative act. So you if you could that. evaluate the point where it's like, this is a habitual thing. It's, it's like a, a daily, multiple time a day kind of a sin. There's, there's certain culpability, yes, but there's, there's no um, correlation to a sin that's mortal and, and deadly when someone chooses it in the face of knowing that it's wrong and choosing it anyway for one's own benefit. How often do you think people actually do commit moral sins in that nature? I would imagine it's a lot less than people would imagine. I think when the scriptures talk about, you know, plotting yeah. deceit. Oh yeah. So if you're sitting there plotting an action that is that is deadly yeah. in, in this sense, that is a is a it's evil. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's but that it, underlines the the mortal nature of it because it's so deadly that your whole life is fixed on plotting evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plotting yeah. the action that yeah. is evil. All right, and then one more, one more. This is a double inquisition. <laughs> uh, um, you know, we said these are seven sins that can send people to hell. Do you think hell is crowded or empty? Well, from, you know, narrow is the pathway and, you know, great and wide is the, is the road that leads to destruction. I mean, again, I, I choose not to deliberate exactly because I do not have the intelligence to deliberate that, nor could I qualify the omnipotence of God's mercy. I know it transformed my life and, and I hope that it continues to transform me. Um, so again, you know, my hope and my longing is that people along this pathway that is wide and, and inclined towards sin and and mortal sin is confronted by God's mercy that draws like the prodigal son attempting to draw this older son into greater belonging community and the responsibility and the work therein. So, you know, I, I don't want to say that there's a ton of people down there because I would hope not, you know, good answer. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Well, do you want to tell everyone how they can connect with us? Sure. Yeah. So again, 
Continue to visit us on our social media pages. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as visiting us at catholictalkshow.com. On that website, you'll see all the ways that you can either listen in or view for the comfort of your home. So as we continue forward as a show, we need you and your support. One, continue to pray for us because we, like you, we need the accountability. We need the accountability factor of supporting each other on the road to holiness and to greater virtue. And then also, if you'd like to support the show and help us to grow to meet new markets, please visit our page at the patreon.com forward slash Catholic Talk Show. In that, you'll be able to see how you could support us, and we could share some cool memorabilia and some cool gifts with you. Thank you so much for your time and journeying with us at the Catholic Talk Show. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.